1: touchdown! Fell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown! Big return for Crowder, 85 yards! Darnold escapes, trying to buy himself some time, fires, end zone, it's caught! Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he really got the handoff, you know and that's. <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the
0: TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason, you can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1, and it's day number four of New York Jets training camp with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com and of course above all that, a very big deal Mr. Chris Nimbly, Chris, a little lighthearted at practice today because there wasn't actually a practice so to speak.
1: Yeah, there was no practice today uh, it was just a walkthrough. So we, we all show showed up there. We saw like Darno taking snaps, but he had his hat on and his, a, a mask on, but it was just around like his neck and he's just, everything was moving slow speed. Um, so there's nothing to talk about from actual practice today. Uh, I I can't tell you who looked good and who looked bad and, uh, anything along those lines from today. Uh, it was just simple walkthrough stuff. Uh, they, they're getting a certain amount of days they're allowed to practice. They're allowed to practice in pads and they have to have some days mixed in there where they're doing walkthroughs. So they decided to use one of those walkthrough days today. Makes all the sense in the world. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, there's sadly there's nothing to really report uh, performance wise today
0: So it ends up just being a walkthrough, no actual practice instead You get to talk to some of the players and, of course, Adam Gase. Some injury news as well. Before we get to what Gase and the players had to say, let's talk about Vincent Smith. It looks like he's going to be out for about two months, so he's going to miss a portion of the regular season. And so now everybody talking about what the Jets could have done at wide receiver in the past. The popular notion is that the Jets should have drafted a second wide receiver, and this is further proof of that. I have to disagree I did want the Jets to pick a second wide receiver. You and I both did, Chris. In fact, one guy that's getting some rave reviews, and who knows if he'll be good because sometimes guys are good in training camp and then they get to the regular season and they don't do anything. But we both like Brian Edwards out of South Carolina, and he's a guy they could have had with the 79th pick that they used on Jabari Zaniga. But even so... It's very rare that a mid-round receiver ends up making an impact year number one. That would have been a pick that would have been helpful over the next couple of years, more so than just this year. It's possible he would have been okay this year and added a couple hundred yards and some catches, but generally those guys are not major contributors the first year. I think what this really tells you is, Is that Joe Douglas should have been more aggressive Getting a better veteran In the offseason at wide receiver Because he left this core very thin Now in the short run Assuming he stays healthy What this also probably means Is that Chris Hogan is likely to stick on the roster At least for the beginning of the season
1: Yeah, I I agree with you Although a second receiver in the draft would be better than what they have right now. Sure. Um, and and then that would give more reps for that person so it would a- accelerate the process a little bit. So I get what everyone's saying. The real thing to me is it's very simple. They should have just brought back Robbie Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um that that's that's simple. Like they they could have done that very easily. It wouldn't have cost them too much. It wasn't going to cost them this 15 plus mil that everybody was scared of. They could have done that very easily. They did not, they didn't make any type of serious run to do that. Um, that like that's what they could have and should have done. And especially he, you know, you you could have signed a veteran, another veteran. Sure. They don't have familiarity with Darnold and, and the system. Robbie already did. That would have been the easiest thing. Um, so they could have done that. They could have signed another veteran there. There wasn't great options out there anyway, but Robbie would have been the simple answer. And yes, they should have uh, drafted the second receiver, but we, we said that during the draft, before the draft, during the draft, after the draft. Uh, but I agree with your point that that secondary receiver, it would have been better what they, than what they had now, um, but it's not something that's going to, You know, Brian Edwards, I I, I love him uh, coming into the the draft. Um, And he could go on to have like a, you know, a Debo Samuel type season this coming year. Uh, Anquan Bolden rookie season. And it's still not, it's only going to help this Jets team that much. Uh, So I I agree with your point there, but yeah, it would have helped. But the real thing that would have helped was Robbie Anderson.
0: They could have gotten Robbie Anderson back and still brought in Brashad Perriman, too, because... As it turns out, Robbie Anderson didn't get that much money And Perriman only signed a one-year deal for $6 million So I think maybe part of this is they expected something out of Quincy Where it was clear to me and pretty much everybody else That there was no way he was ever going to play for the Jets again But Perriman, Anderson, and then Crowder and Mims Would have been a solid group to work from, at least on paper And then obviously they would have been able to
1: withstand injuries A heck of a lot easier yeah, absolutely. That would have uh, – that's the thing about going into a season at any position when you only have one or two guys you can count on and then one the two of those guys get hurt or the other guys get hurt and then you're like, oh, man, we got nothing now. Like, you know, knock on wood and everything. I'm not hoping for this, but uh, you know, Crowder hasn't had uh, the healthiest uh, – you know, he, he's gotten hurt. Yeah. He's not injury prone. I'm not going anything like that, but it's happened. It could happen again. And then what happens? Like you need to have depth at positions, especially, you know, we talk about uh, wide receivers shouldn't get drafted like super high, but like you need a, to have a competent receiver core in 2020 is a necessity. You don't need to have a bunch of, uh, number ones, a bunch of top 10 talents at receiver, but you need to have a competent receiver core and outside of James and Crowder right now, we don't have anything to point to. Uh, and so uh, one injury can completely derail that whole thing. And again, it's 2020. It's way too important a position to just be all right, let's just pick up the Chris next Chris Hogan, uh, I mean, it, again, I love the Hogan signing for training camp, but now it looks like they might. Uh, I'm also, we're also talking about Vincent Smith here, so I don't want to make it seem like the sky is falling because Vincent Smith isn't going to be here. But this just uh, hurts their depth even more at was already a extremely shallow position.
0: No question about it, but hopefully some of these other guys step up. If Hogan can stay healthy, he should at least be a solid fourth or fifth option The main thing here I think is Denzel Mims They really need him to be able to recover And come into the season and be ready to go Because even if he's not a superstar off the bat A lot of people are hoping that he'll at least provide some excitement And some glimpses toward the future I think if he's healthy there's a good chance that at least by midseason He starts to catch on and really make a difference But he's got to be healthy in order to do that So we'll sit back and see how this plays out But for now Chris Hogan barring injury Which is not out of the question with him Because he's had plenty of injury problems himself Over the years Is probably going to end up sticking At least at the beginning of the season now With Vincent Smith out with this surgery For the next five to eight weeks Let's talk about the guys who spoke today Including the man who would be updating everybody On the injuries That of course the coach Adam Gase What did he have to say?
1: All right, so he went through the injuries again Uh Uh, Again, it was just a walkthrough, so uh, you know, no new injuries popping up from today, but still uh, all the same soft tissue stuff, except for the update on the core injury to Vincent Smith. Um, I will say uh, one of the reporters, if I forget which one, did bring up uh, an interesting good point that I had completely forgotten about, but Brian Poole's still out with the dehydration uh, issue. But Brian Poole dealt with that last year. And training camp, he missed the the beginning of training camp last year because of dehydration. It kind of escaped me because I remember when they signed him, and then I was at the, uh, training camp started and he wasn't there, and I was like, all right, not a big deal because I wasn't expecting much out of uh, Brian Pool at that point. And then he went on to have a really great season, <laughs> but it appears that you know maybe this is just uh, an issue that he needs to figure out. I I don't know, but. It takes him a little while to ramp up and get ready. Uh, so, uh, But I bring this up, so maybe don't worry about it so much. He he had that issue, and then he was able to go on and have a great season. Um, it's still Kafusi with a hamstring, Pierre Desir with a hamstring, uh, Ross Travis with a groin, Jabari Zaniga with a quad, and then uh, Braxton Berrios wasn't out there today for personal reasons. He, you know, he talked about the the – the receivers, the difference there, uh, having the low numbers. And then he also talked about, you know, it makes it even more tricky because normally they have 90 players in camp and now they're at 80. So they don't even have as many uh, bodies that they normally have. And it, just bodies like they right now, they they don't even have enough bodies, not even talking about like good players, players you can count on rely on. They don't have the actual bodies out there. So, and th- that that can happen a lot easier at this point in training camp when you only have 80 as opposed to 90. They will be practicing tomorrow, uh, uh, full practice again. We weren't sure about that at first, but now they're going to be doing that. Um, he gave us an update on Hogan. <clears throat> Hogan took the physical today, uh, and now he, he has to uh, officially sign the contract that will have him. So, you should be able to be out here soon if not uh tomorrow probably the next day uh there's there's going to be a little bit of theme here uh and Williams not talk but there is coaches talking about Quinnen Williams a couple players did there so we'll we'll thread this throughout this pod um it, everyone's been raving about the shape that Quinnen Williams in this year uh the tr- transformation in his body um, Gase made sure to bring that up uh, But they also talked about Just how More comfortable Quinnen is now um, And especially Henry Anderson brought this up That the Greg Williams Defensive scheme is is Complicated, it's tough for players To learn, and for him to uh, Come in as a rookie and have to Deal with that uh, People, they all thought he was you know Thinking a little bit too much That probably went into some of the reasons why they were using him so much to stunt and uh, take up blockers, but now he's much more comfortable with the playbook. He knows what he's doing. He's able to react and he's be able to um, take on more responsibility. And Gates talked about, you know, the, the key will be for him to just win his one-on-one matchups when he gets them. And from ev- everybody's expecting and thinking that they'll, he'll be able to win his fair share of those now. So, um, you know, You obviously have high expectations coming out for him this season. Fans do; they're going to demand it. Players and coaches in that uh, on in uh, that organization right now have high expectations for what he's going to do as well. Um, Now he also talked about one of our favorite topics uh, when it comes to defense and defensive linemen: the idea of a sack versus a quarterback hit, and what he values most and he said he looks at it as pastor's disruption uh, like sacks are great you want the sack but he'll take a hurry he'll take a hurry and a QB hit that forces the quarterback to get rid of the ball he brought up somebody like in Dominican when he was in Miami like he didn't get a lot of sacks but he forced a lot of quarterbacks to get rid of the ball faster than they would have than they really wanted to so that's that's how he looks at it basically he sides with me and you on that one as opposed to a lot of the people who like to fill our mentions then he gave us a little bit of an update on Bryce Hall this stuff is kind of confusing when these players get uh, placed on the COVID uh, you know out list um we don't know if they test for COVID if they were just around somebody that had tested for COVID but he said like he had an injury you know coming out of college Yeah. Uh, he, that's still lingering here so that's the thing that's the hold up on him and how we haven't been able to get that so we need to see him uh be able to fully heal up before he's able to go there so it's not like there's some uh he's been you know uh, completely racked by the covid and that's a holding out it's it's the injury thing that's uh holding that up there
0: Also heard from Foley Fadakasi today. He's not one that speaks a lot, although this is where I wish that Matt Stipelkoski was still on the Jets beat because he would have been all excited to talk to his UConn brother. What did Foley have to say?
1: Yeah, okay. So now here's the thing because he had a couple things to say, um, but one thing he was asked about uh, his name and uh, what he prefers for people to call, he said, Call him Foley, call him Fola Russo, uh, call him Fats, he said. But he did <laughs> clarify that he would like people to at least try to pronounce his first name. So from now on, I am going to try to refer to him as Fola Russo, um, to Fadikassi because he asked for it. I'm going to try and give it to him. But he talked about just last year, mostly uh, last year being a huge learning experience for him, being able to get all those writs reps, being able to like work on things in real time against another team, another player, uh, you know, somebody else who's in the league uh, how much that really helped him being able to learn game type situations, the adrenaline playing with all that um, playing through that so that was a big thing for him to just be able to get those reps under his belt and now he feels far more comfortable than he did coming in and then he talked about Steve McClendon and McClendon being like a big brother to not only him, but everybody on the team. He's, if they called him the glue, and also pointed out uh, that he's uh, a huge motivator for anybody, like about how McClendon will see, think that he sees somebody, not just the defensive lineman, maybe needs some motivation, and he'll go on and do that. <clears throat> so those were the two big takes away takeaways from uh Fadakasi's time with us today. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
0: Henry Anderson spoke as well. I guess this was defensive line day. What'd he have to say?
1: Yeah, it was defensive line day. Well it was at least line day. Uh especially because we got two defensive linemen and the offensive linemen. But Henry Anderson said, um he said you know the shoulder injury last year was frustrating for him. And it came at a time in the season where like he felt like he was just settling into a, a rhythm, especially knowing and learning the playbook. Um, and then the injury disrupted his rhythm and he wasn't able to get right back into it at the start of the season. So he didn't play up to the standards that he has for himself, but he says he's taken the off season uh, with a heavy emphasis on the, on shoulder stability. And then he's focused a lot on a, uh, lower body strength and explosiveness this offseason. That's what he really focused on. Um, again, he he raved about Quinn uh, and his offseason, the shape he's in, the work he put in. He's looking powerful and explosive. And, uh, again, he's, he said he's got potential to be great, become an elite defensive lineman. And then he gave an obligatory Makai Becton is a, a, a large man comment as well. He hasn't lined up against him much, so he didn't say anything about that. Uh, he was asked about going up against him, but he's been on the opposite side, so he hasn't seen him at all. But he he did give the obligatory. Yeah, that that's large man.
0: Speaking of the large man, Mekhi Becton himself spoke today, and there was one line that I really liked, Chris. He said that, He's 370, which is not the best shape of his life, but he's working towards getting into the best shape of his life. Refreshing, because normally these guys are always talking about how they're in the best shape they've ever been in, no matter what kind of shape they are actually in. Makai Becton's certainly a straight shooter, at least early on.
1: Yeah, he is. Uh, one thing I, I just I want all players to, to do this, and I, this is just me. This is just for me, and so I'm just gonna get this complaint out there. You guys don't care about it, but when when we ask players what what like specific things they've been working on in the offseason – don't say everything. Please don't say everything. They all say everything. They <laughs> always say everything. That's not the answer we need. Give us something. Give us a morsel of some specificity. But even if you try to uh, cut them off ahead of that and be like, just give me the one or two things, they generally go with everything. And that's a, that's frustrating. But enough of that because I'm the only one that cares about that. Um yeah, he he talked about that, and he talked about uh, you know just being comfortable in his skin at that size. He, when he was young, that uh, you know he was he was always a bigger guy, and he people would always point it out, make jokes, and you know kind of bothered him. He had some insecurities from that, but now he's really embraced being the big guy. He likes being the big guy, and he and he's cool with it. He rolls with it, and he, he really accepts it and embraces it. Um, he, he said that, you know, it was good to be out there and especially with this long break, he felt, it felt great to be able to go out there and hit people again. So that's always good, especially from an offensive lineman. When, when you have the offensive lineman talking about being aggressive and laying out hits, cause you all, you expect that from the defensive guys. When you get it from the offensive guys, it's a good sign. <laughs> um, and specifically someone asked him about him pancaking Hewitt yesterday Big, giant smile on his face before the question was even finished. Uh, You could tell he was appreciative of that. Um, he, uh, He did talk about how really what his focus is is just about it's all technique. He's worried about his technique. He's focusing on his technique. And then when somebody asked him about, you know, well, does your size help in that area where you don't have to? And he's like, no, I'm in the NFL now. Like, I could get by on my size alone, the size and length in college. I'm in the NFL now. I can't do that. Uh, Like, these other guys are, you know, maybe not as big, but they're close. And maybe not as they're close. So his technique needs to be really good, and he's focused on that now. And then he got the obligatory rookie question of, you know, how much faster is the NFL than college, and he was – A lot faster, like not a little faster, not just faster. It was a lot faster. So right now that's what he's doing. He's focusing on catching up to speed, but really just focusing on his technique. Um, and then he's, he said that he's, uh, he really leaned on Alex Lewis and George Fant so far as to have like veteran presence to bring him along. He did some off season work with Fant. Um, but he's really focused uh, with fan he's he's leaning on more to teach him in and out to technique and Alex Lewis he's been looking on to teach him the playbook so it, this is a smart kid he's come in right here and he's like all right look I'm gonna lean on this veteran guy who's been around get have him teach me technique stuff but he hasn't been on the team so I'm gonna have to go to somebody else for the playbook stuff and he did that and that's Contributed and come a long way To uh, you know him getting rave Reviews so early in camp
0: Speaking of Alex Lewis who you just Brought up Frank Pollock the offensive Line coach spoke about him When he talked to you guys he Said that Alex Lewis is quote A guy you can win with which is Sort of praise but sort of Vague I guess that sort of fits What you would say about Alex Lewis That If he's healthy, he's not a bad offensive lineman is sort of the summary I would give that. But he also had an interesting quote about Makai Becton that had the entire Jets beat falling all over themselves. I didn't really think it was that big of a deal, but I guess when you're hearing all these stock answers over and over again, anything that jumps out as being away from the norm is something that's worth noting and writing about. But I think the beat got a little carried away with this one.
1: Yeah, look, so... Um, because what they're doing now is they're having us, we go to practice and then they go inside the media workroom and to do the zooms and everything. But I, that, for the, the other beat writers that live in like Long Island, New York city, it, it makes all the sense in the world. I don't feel like adding another person to that mix since I live 10 minutes away. So I drive home and then I do the zoom stuff when I get home. Um, so I wasn't a part of this whole thing when it went down But I do want to shoot my fellow beat reporters a little bit of bail, even though I wouldn't have been in on them with this joke. Just uh, bands, people don't realize how monotonous our job is, um, how much is just going through the motions. And I I am not complaining. Please do not sit there. Why do you hate your job? No, but there's lots of boring, monotonous parts that – and then we kind of take things for granted. And we're just expecting coach speak, player speak, and then – when somebody says something that's just unexpected, we get caught off guard and we tend to have reactions that may seem overblown to people. You see it all the time with the fake media laugh, which, I uh, trust me, uh, it's annoying to me as well, but I also get caught up in it sometimes because you just get caught off guard a little bit. Um, you, we're so used to just the canned speeches. Um, when someone throws an, EM, uh, an offensive line coach, throws an EMC squared, Quote at you, you're gonna you. What? Where did that come from? And then they they want to just have jokes. We want to have jokes amongst ourselves to spice it up a little bit. So that's what ends up happening there. But yeah, they definitely got a little carried away with it. It was not worthy of that.
0: On a day where there was no practice, I suppose that as you said, using the E equals M C squared quote is a notable thing because it's not something you would normally get. And when you're not watching these guys beat each other up. That becomes the story, so I did think it was pretty funny that the offensive line's quote of something that we all learned when we were in junior high would be this funny to this many people, but not much else going on on day number four of training camp. It will pick up tomorrow, though, I can promise you that, and we will have all the details for you here on Play Like a Jet, courtesy of the very big deal, Chris Nimbly of JetsInsider.com. Chris, thanks again for coming on, as always. Really appreciate it. I'm sure you got a write-up of all of this, including the E equals MC square quote over at JetsInsider.com.
1: Yeah, I, I stayed away from that quote. Uh, because I do agree with you EMC e, e equals MC squared is not some like, oh my God, how does the offensive line coach know that? <laughs> um, that's like, I get that it's not expected, but I would expect everybody to know that at least. But yeah, I'll have plenty of content up there, uh, especially we're going back to practice tomorrow. So tomorrow you'll get uh, my observations from practice and you'll get actual uh, talks and article about who looked good and who didn't look good and why. So you'll get that. We'll get right back to that tomorrow and Thursday. Yeah, I man, I still can't uh, tell what day it is, but yeah, tomorrow and Thursday, Thursday, <laughs> And then we have an off day Friday, but the you know, next two days you'll have plenty of uh, training camp coverage from without performances you want to hear about.
0: You'll have plenty of it here on Play Like a Jet and, of course, with Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. You can follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.